Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Uh, Congresswoman, good morning. Good morning. Uh, we've heard so much about this, uh, both sides uh, saying what's good, what's bad. Uh, when you look at this agreement, uh, what is the good, what is the bad, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, first, I, I uh, want people to understand this is a, an agreement. It's a framework. It was not a spending bill. It was a deal between uh, all branches to come up with a plan to recognize that we have a serious crisis in the United States right now. We have massive inflation, the highest ever, accompanying highest spending ever, and the highest revenues ever, meaning we are taxing people at the highest rates we've ever taxed. We've had more revenue coming in, and yet we're not able to curb inflation. We have a Fed that's flooding our, uh, our marketplace with cash, which is causing even more inflation. And, there, and, and we have the Fed that's considering possibly raising interest rates again, which could lead us into recession. So we have to come up with an arrangement. But one of the things I think a lot of people need to understand is this was not an appropriations bill. Uh, the Republicans have a very slim majority in the House. We have a five-seat majority. The Democrats control the Senate. They control the White House. So we go in with a significantly uh, less, less uh, leverage than the other side. So what can we get to save the American people and do something as a first step? Because this is just a framework and it's a step. Uh, the real, real scrimmage, the real, real Super Bowl, I call this the scrimmage. The Super Bowl is the appropriations process where we actually have to implement 12 appropriations bills in regular order. That means we do them through the committees of jurisdiction. We vote on them. We pass them to the floor and they get passed. It's going to be a very hard process because we need to make spending cuts that we've never done. The interesting thing about this bill is it proposes what they call a 1% cut, uh, the so-called penny plan. If anyone listens to Sean Hannity, he talks about it all the time. It's the first time in American history that we've actually passed something in a bipartisan way that imposes a spending cut. So that's what's gonna happen. If we don't pass the bills in regular order, we go to what they call the continuing resolution process. That means we automatically have agreed to a spending cut. Now, does Congress have to agree ultimately? Probably not. They could always pass another bill. The makeup of Congress could change. What we cut to a new leadership is a, you know, a, new, a new house every two years, and, uh, you know, a changed Senate, things can change. But right now we have a framework and an agreement to hold each other accountable for this cut if it happens. Um, is it everything I want? No. Uh, if we had Ronald Reagan or Donald Trump in the White House and we had a 60 vote majority in the Senate, you know, it wouldn't be a very good deal. But considering the situation, we've got to do something and we cannot afford 
to allow uh, the Democrats to pass a clean debt ceiling, which they were going to do, because unfortunately, from what we knew, they had enough moderate Republican votes to pass a clean debt ceiling, and that would have been the worst-case scenario. We don't want to default because default undermines the U.S. currency. It undermines the U.S. currency as a reserve cash currency around the world, which could hurt our markets, uh, would cause uh, make debt much more expensive for not just governments but for all of us, which would hurt our economy and really drive us into a recession even faster. So we came up with a framework. It's not ideal. I supported it because I think Republicans need to show that we're sticking together. Uh, my colleagues in the region, uh, Nick Langworthy, uh, also uh, you know also supported it. Look, we would love honestly if we had a great position, we could have done a better deal. But right now. We got, you know, modifications to work requirements, something the Democrats proposed. We got streamlining of the permitting process, which is really significant because that deals, you know, that act, that actually deals with some of our energy needs. It, it deals with implementing a lot of our infrastructure, uh, things that had already passed, but we can't get past the bureaucratic state in Washington to get these things completed to help our communities and also to help improve our energy. I got called all week uh, by angry Democrats about some of the provisions in this bill that streamlined our, our uh, processes for uh, what they call NEPA, uh, which is the, you know, giving us the, the, le the less bureaucracy to, to shut down uh, some of our energy, some of our transportation, bridges, uh, water projects, things like that. So um, in the unbalance, I think it's going to be a good first step. The real, as I get, again, I can't emphasize enough, the real step comes next when we get into appropriations, which are due in September. Now, going, you know, obviously this, this still does raise the uh, debt limit. And I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Congressman Mike Bost, and that is, when do we start addressing the actual debt? When we stop spending. And the only way that Congress can stop spending is the appropriations process. So, Think about what we just passed. We, we all, the debt ceiling uh, is to, do we pay the debts that the United States already appropriated? I, I didn't vote for any of this spending. I voted no. So, but we've made an obligation as a country, uh, not only to local governments, our, all the appropriations, our seniors, Medicare recipients, veterans, and those people, our non-discretionary spending, we have no control over. Our, our mandatory spending, we have no control over. So we're talking about the discretionary side. How do we make sure that we keep our vets whole, that we take care of our Medicare recipients and the people tru truly needy? We made, we made cuts and, and a plan to cut in those, in those areas. But, um, you know, Mike Bost, a really good friend of mine, I mean, look, you could vote either way. But let me quote, and, and I respect people that wanted to vote no because they didn't love the deal. It's not a great deal. But I look at it this way. The most fiscally conservative member of the House of Representatives is a guy named Thomas Massey from Kentucky. By far, no one's even close in, ter in terms of fiscal conservatism. He got up in front of our conference and Tom Massey said, and I quote, he said, I woke up this morning as an engineer and a problem solver and said, I need to vote yes on this bill to advance this process and to get us to the Super Bowl so we can cut spending and appropriations. But as a politician, I thought maybe I should vote no. So I think in a lot of ways, look, almost every vote we take is somewhat political. But when it comes to advancing the process, getting past uh, the concern on the markets, the concern with the U.S. Uh, full faith and credit with our with our markets and with our debt and our and our securities, 
we voted that the right vote to me was a yes vote. Would I love a better deal? Yes. I'd love to have a 30 seat majority in the House. I'd love to be a 60 vote majority in the Senate. And I'd love to have a strong, fiscally conservative Republican president. We don't have that situation. So we have to try to do what we can to keep spending down, to look to the future, to make sure uh, that we don't default, but to make sure that we have a plan in the future. The Democrats didn't get what they wanted. I think this was a win. Larry Kudlow, who is a, you know, Trump's uh, fiscal advisor, a financial advisor, described this as a 10-0 win, 10 McCarthy, zero, uh, zero Biden. And the only reason the Democrats came to the table and the Democrats didn't need us, they knew they didn't need the conservatives. They came to the table because the American people and commentators like Larry Kudlow and others have put the pressure on them. And the American people are suffering inflation, high energy costs. Uh, those things have said, you've got to do something. And that's the only reason Joe Biden came to the table, because they didn't need to. But they agreed to a framework. Let's see if everybody holds up to their benefit of the bargain and does the spending cuts that are demanded in this bill uh, when we get to the appropriations process. This is the only way that you can cut. You can't cut in a bill like this. It's not an appropriations bill. It's a framework. Now, uh, one of the things in the uh, in the agreement that you mentioned, work requirements for government benefits. What does that look like um, in this agreement? Right. So what they've done is taken away some of the waivers for what they call TANF. That's temporary assistance to needy families. Uh, SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. So now what we've done is there's waivers that are given. So they that often states like New York get to treat someone as a SNAP recipient forever, even if they become ineligible for SNAP, uh, they they usually by getting a job, which is a good thing. You know, they become independent. It's a temporary program. So what we've said is you can't continue. You can't give people lifelong waivers. You have to actually get back into the program in the event that you should fall on hard times again. And so by creating, uh, you know, removing those waivers, that means the states now have to pay attention to just uh, allowing anybody to get on the program and requires that you actually have to renew, renew the work requirements, which, by the way, Joe Biden supported, Bill Clinton, many other members of the House and Senate who are there now supported these. It's only recently when they removed those uh, work requirements that they were taken out. So we will add those back into the appropriations process. It's going to be a bone of contention again, but we're going to have to revisit many of these issues again when we go to the appropriations. Also, uh, going back on IRS funding now, this you know because that was a big uh, a big talking point was all the hirings at the IRS. This doesn't take away from those hirings. This just prevents more money being spent in the future. Is that correct? What this does is cuts the IRS off of hiring auditors for this year and the coming the coming end of this this uh, this next cycle. But it doesn't cut them off for the rest of the 10 years. So every year, unfortunately, we're going to have to go back and fight to cut the IRS off. And we even talked about putting in my bill the direct uh, to direct funds to the Border Act, which would direct the IRS funding to the border. Because if we don't have, if we have an open border, we don't have sovereignty in this country. We need to make sure that we, we seal the border. We only let people who are legally able to be in the United States here. And anyone that wants to come in has to go through a legal process. Our border security and our border agents, they need help with this, not just on the southern border, the northern border. And as you know, uh, I spent a, a day with our northern border security in the Buffalo sector, 
And we have issues on the northern border as well. So my direct funds could be a possibility. Kevin McCarthy mentioned it the other day. But every year, unfortunately, we couldn't get everything we wanted, but we're going to we got at least one phase of it. We're going to have to fight to cut the IRS every single year. Now, another thing uh, in this agreement was finally unfreezing student loans um, by August. Does this also put a stop to uh, forgiving student loans or is this just uh, unfreezing it? This requires that now student loans have to be repaid. I think one good thing that's going to come up, and you'll see this happening, the Senate is actually going to be supportive of this. Secondly, they already did. They passed a bill on this. The U.S. Supreme Court's going to weigh in on Joe Biden's uh, unconstitutional executive order because he doesn't have the power to eliminate uh, the payment of student loans. So although this is a win in this in this bill, I think the Supreme Court's going to take care of that. And the Democrats are going to have to try to add that back in. I don't think they're going to be successful because even the Senate passed this, which means uh, there's some pressure being put on. And, and even Democrats in the Senate recognize that that's not a good plan. And that's a strike against Joe Biden. And that's actually a good thing that was passed in this bipartisan bill. You know, you mentioned the uh, the southern border, the northern border. Uh, it was last week or the week before where the county executive here in Erie County uh, said that the county will be open uh, to allowing um, asylum seekers, uh, migrants from New York City. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's disgraceful that the county executive in Erie County actually described people who care about law and order, that care about their own taxpayers and the people that are footing the bill for illegal migration is calling people bigots. Look, I have 12 counties. I don't technically represent Erie County. I've met with a number of my counties. They can't even handle and find housing for people that are already in, on special, have special needs, people who are seniors, homeless veterans don't have places to go. They're having to ship them around other states, other parts of the state, to find accommodations for them. To say that you're going to displace and burden your own taxpayers for people who are coming here illegally. And let me add, Kathy Hochul is also looking to put these uh, students uh, in, in SUNY locations. What are you going to do when the students have to come back in, in August? And why not? I say if you're going to impose this on SUNY, many of the college campuses that are private institutions that have massive endowments that aren't you know, funded primarily at the taxpayer's expense like the SUNY system, which is a great system, by the way, why don't some of these colleges have declared themselves across New York as sanctuary colleges and sanctuary campuses? Why aren't they stepping up to the plate to help the taxpayers with their huge endowments uh, and their huge power that they have and, and, their, and their declared status? I think that would relieve a lot of these taxpayers who are suffering with inflation, high gas prices, high grocery costs. I mean, we're seeing real pain as Kathy Hochul in, imposed more unfunded mandates on our local governments. And, and, and imposes even higher taxes on a lot of these local governments that can't even handle and take care of their own people that they need to take care of in their in their own counties. Is there any move by the Biden administration? Uh, you know, we, we hear so much about the southern border, but it seems like when it comes back up in the news, it's, well, we're going to do this or we could do this. But that is still as big a problem as it was a year ago. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. And when Title 42 expired, you took just one more tool away from the border agents to be able to protect American citizens. Title 42 is, is a pandemic era, uh, era law that actually protects us from people coming across the border, with, which could have diseases and other things. I've talked to the border agents in the Buffalo sector. They describe to me all kinds of diseases that we have eradicated in the past. 
it's not just COVID-19. It's people with tuberculosis. It's people with mumps, measles, whooping cough, uh, things that we have already eradicated in our country are coming from over 130 countries around the world coming to our border, coming into the northern border. They're from everywhere. The human traffickers are making billions of dollars, even more money than they make on illicit drugs at the border. And yet the, the, the Biden administration just sits there with its hand, sitting on its hands, not helping the American people. When you flood these kind of people that are many of them are going to take advantage, not all. There's some legitimate people out there that want to come to the United States. Maybe they're seeking asylum. They want to get a job here. But you have people who are looking to do harm in terms of uh, human trafficking, drug trafficking, taking advantage of our system. And that make when you have all these people coming in with no controls and no laws, it makes it harder for the border agents to do their job. The system is overstressed. And we can't really keep track of it. When you have no border, uh, you have no country. And it's so important that we enforce that. One final question. I know I'm going a little over uh, the time we agreed on. Uh, Friday night, the Mets were in a rain delay. So I turned on Wheel of Fortune. And instead of Wheel of Fortune, it was the president giving a speech. And in that speech, he said that Republicans are defending special interest tax loopholes. Uh, I, I did think it was interesting that he attacked Republicans and then called for unity. Um, but in in that, he said that the special interest tax loopholes are being defended by Republicans. What's your response? I'm not sure what he's talking about, but the biggest loophole there is is the SALT deduction. That's the state and local tax deduction, which all the Democrats are pushing so that New York State can continue to impose the highest rates of tax, income tax, on its residents and not feel the pain of what it's like to have out migration. A lot of people left New York because we had an unlimited state and local tax deduction um, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was made more modest. So in communities like mine, less people actually itemized or less impacted by the state and local tax deduction. It's really a phenomenon of really wealthy counties, wealthy taxpayers, uh, wealthy areas. And so when, when he talks about that, the Democrats are mostly fighting for this these loopholes and to help the wealthiest. Uh, We'd like to see tax cuts because we want to see growth. We want to help our small businesses and our small businesses are the key to growth because 60 to 70% of the new jobs that are created in our country come from small businesses. They come from mom and pop stores. And the more we impose high taxes, the more we see consolidation of our business community into big box stores and larger entities, whether, you know, it's a home Depot and which I, you know, we love, uh, but, you know, places like Walmart, where we, we, they shut out our locally owned and operated businesses that provide great service, uh, great innovation, great products, unique, uh, unique products for our communities. And if they can't afford to be in business because we don't allow them to have uh, some modest tax exemptions, we're not going to have a, a strong economy. And they have always built our economy. All these places came from like somebody came up with an idea in their garage and they got to be big. If we if we cut that off. You're going to see the lack of innovation and you're going to see a real consolidation, which is dangerous, not from the free market side of it, but it's also dangerous on the government side, which is why you see New York with the highest out migration of jobs and people and of any other state by percentage in the country. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks so much. Great to be on. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 